0: This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave. And together, we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 58-inch.
1: On this week's episode, elite superfan and top-level Weird Al collector Kenneth Gwinnup joins us as we share tips on how to start your very own Weird Al collection.
2: It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al. It's a podcast about Weird Al. Al Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. Al You don't have to listen, but we're
1: glad you are. Ethan, you will never guess what I just got done doing.
0: What did you just get done doing, Dave?
1: I went over to our Patreon page, and I just got done listening to Secret Episode 12 and Secret Episode 13, which just dropped earlier this week.
0: That's pretty stinking majestic.
1: Oh, those episodes were pretty stinking majestic, (laughs) let me tell you. They're available right now over on our Patreon for all of our Patreon subscribers. And let me tell you, listening back to them, it was a blast You know what's amazing about our secret episodes? They include content that does not make it on the air on our regular episodes. And on secret episode number 12, our guest, Mike Furman, he shares this great story leading up to Al's arrival to record Street Meet. Oh, it is amazing. It is funny. He's a funny guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was nonstop laughing when we were talking with Mike last week and for these secret episodes. I personally just could not get enough of secret episode 13 where Mike, he shares clips with us from his amazing interview that he did with Weird Al on Kids Place Live. And we cut to the clips. You can hear Al responding to these crazy questions and a super special bonus you can even hear al's parody of bruce springsteen's born in the usa only on episode 13 it's something that dave you and i we had never heard that before
1: yeah i'd never heard it before this was a new to me song it was really awesome like you know (laughs) so desperate at this point for any new weird al content this was new to us but this was so much fun to get to hear something new and to get to hear a parody as well
0: yeah and (laughs) Lest anyone think, it's not like a fully produced, you know, 10-minute long parody. It's pretty brief, but still, it counts, I would say.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. It's going in my collection. (laughs) Now, if you're not a part of our Patreon family, you are missing out on exclusive content like that and much, much more. So please consider joining us over at patreon.com slash 2000inch. We have Secret Episode 12 available. We have Secret Episode 13 we obviously have secret episodes before that from 1 through 11 as well. <laughs> we go in order. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely want to check that out. If you love this podcast, you're going to love our secret episodes. You're going to love what we do over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash 2000inch.
0: We had some exciting news this week regarding Jim Kimo West, most well-known for being the creator and singer and musician behind our amazing, should-have-been-Grammy-nominated podcast theme. And that news... <laughs> <laughs> is he's got a very long title, Dave. <laughs> you forgot Grammy nominated Jim Kimo. Actually. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and of course, you know, he's in some group called Weird Al uh, Yankov. I don't know. some Something <laughs> like that. Anyway, <laughs> so Chemo, Jim, he has finished recording his new album. And we know the title now. It is called More Guitar Stories.
1: Well, I'm going to guess it's a follow-up to his album, Guitar Stories.
0: (laughs) Good guess.
1: (laughs) In Jim's latest newsletter, he says that this new album is an eclectic mix of acoustic guitar-based compositions that feature a stellar lineup of guest musicians. I'm so excited for some new Jim Kimo West
0: content. Yes, and while we don't have the release date just yet or the cover art, we hope to have that and we will share it with you guys as soon as we know.
1: You know what else we read in the newsletter? He's also recording a second CD for 2020 which he says will be more in the vein of his Grammy nominated release Mokumahulia, Peaceful Island, which this new CD is due out this
0: fall. I cannot believe we're getting two brand new Jim Kimo West albums. I am psyched. And, you know, I love keeping up with Jim, of course, and his happenings and, you know, his awesome garden and stuff. So if you follow Jim Kimo West on social media, you obviously know he's been active with his garden, growing fruit, making amazing food. It's so great.
1: Oh, you're right. Why, just the other day, he posted some
0: incredible vegan mexican food this week's episode is brought to you in part by vegan mexican restaurant burrito burrito in troy new york home of the two pound double wrapped in the quesadilla burrito burrito come on down to burrito burrito and burrito burrito your burrito burrito find them at burrito squared.com and at burrito squared on instagram and remember not every burrito is a burrito 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 but every burrito 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 can be burrito Burritoed. to sign up for chemo's newsletter head on over to jim chemo West.com. i look forward to that email every single month Now, in this week's episode, Dave and I talk about one of our very favorite things, our Weird Al collections. Dave and I have really impressive Weird Al collections, and we're well-versed to handle this topic on our own. But we brought in one of the top-level, if not THE top-level Weird Al collector in the world to help us out. Now, I am a serious collector, but I think that our
1: next guest makes my collection pale in comparison. His knowledge of Weird Al and Weird Al Collectibles outshines pretty much everyone outside of maybe Alan Bermuda. I mean, to say that he's a super fan undersells him. He is the elite of elite super fans. Every time I talk to him, I learn something new. And I also end up with a new list of rare Weird Al Collectibles that I never knew existed, and now I have to try to track down.
0: Dave and I are beyond thrilled to be welcoming our next guest to the program, he is the definition of a Weird Al, super fan, super collector. He's an insanely nice guy. He's one of my very best friends. I'm so excited to welcome to the program Kenneth Gwinnup. How's it going,
2: Kenneth? Oh, hey, Ethan. Hey, Dave. So great to have you on. Thanks. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I'm, I'm just like excited <laughs> this is a long time coming
1: you know we have we've wanted you on this podcast for a while now and we're so happy to have you on finally
2: well it's an act. it's really a treat because you both have provided all of us for the last year a fantastic podcast so many wonderful things you guys have you know brought in as content so many awesome guests so it's really a privilege to be on your show
0: well thanks kenneth so kenneth i really first met you in person about a year ago on the Strings Attached Tour. Was that the first time you met him, Dave? That was also the first time I met Kenneth as
2: well. Yeah, that was the first time Yeah, I met the both of you. What a fateful day that was in <laughs> Seattle. Well, it was pretty awesome.
0: <laughs> Weren't we joking about, maybe I was talking to Jason about it. I don't know if I told you guys about this, but we are saying because there were so many Weird Al Superfans in that same concert that we need to have like a designated survivor. Uh, somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Kenneth, I haven't been alive as long as you've been a fan of Weird Al. When did you first discover him and become a fan?
2: It was around 1981. I was uh, getting on the bus to go to school and these kids in the back had a uh, Casio recorder. Mm-hmm. And this is Monday. So they recorded the Dr. Demento show Sunday. Okay. And all of a sudden... I hear <laughs> <laughs> my Bologna and and then it was the live premiere of Another One Rides a Bus. Whoa.
0: Oh wow. That's incredible.
2: And I begged this kid, please give me that cassette. I've gotta have it. <laughs> so that's where you found out about Al and started collecting. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, immediately I kept asking, you know, this kid, which I didn't know, what show is this? Who is this Weird Al person? And where can I get more? <laughs> That's great.
0: It was like it was meant to be. You were meant to discover Weird Al on that fateful day.
2: <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, it was from that day. The One of the first things I picked up was, of course, you know, his first LP.
0: Wow. And so that would have been fresh out of oh, the gate. At that fresh, point. fresh. Wow. I can't even picture being exposed to Al that early in his career. I mean, you've really watched him and been a fan of him from the absolute beginning. Yes. I mean, if it was any sooner, it would be creepy. It's like you're you know, waiting outside <laughs> his house where he's sixteen years old or something. Like you're you really came in like day one, it sounds like to me.
2: Well, in, in this time of my life, you know, I was in Southern California. I was born in San Diego County, so I was very close to where Al was performing all around Southern California. Mm. And luckily, I met up with this one kid in school that was an Al fan, and his dad uh, was going to LA and they invited me along. And while we were there, uh, we went to this record store somewhere near Sunset Boulevard and right at the the counter, was two placebos for sale. Whoa. Oh, wow. And you picked them both up? Five bucks each, yes.
1: Whoa. All right.
2: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Great
1: deal. Do you still have
2: them? I do. I I actually, I do still have, well, I have one. Uh, There's another fan that had really wanted a placebo, and uh, I went ahead and gifted him one of my copies. Oh, that's
0: too kind.
1: I'll buy it off you for 10 bucks. You'll double your money.
2: (laughs) Well, no, here's the funny thing. Years later, I just kind of wondered what would happen if I mailed in the 4 and 95 to the address it's on the placebo. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. For people who are not familiar, yeah. there is an address. It's like for additional copies, send this in. And <laughs> so, what did you do? What... I'm so I, I got nothing back.
2: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I told Al that two years ago. I was like, Al, I mailed you five bucks. He goes, well, you know, that's been not happening for quite a while. Did he give you the five bucks
1: back at least? No. <laughs> oh, no, Good that's okay, a... <laughs> I cannot even imagine
0: just paying five bucks for a placebo EP. <laughs> I mean, it's just... For people listening, a placebo EP is easily anywhere from two to three hundred dollars in in decent condition. So, paying five bucks—that's quite a steal. <laughs> and in <and> the <laughs> foresight to buy both of them—I mean, that is a true collector mentality.
2: Well, I'll have to tell you that I'm very grateful that my friend's father uh, lent me the ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a lot of, a lot of money for a thirteen, fourteen year old kid. Yeah
1: so at the time did you know that how rare it was i did not so you just saw it and you just said this is weird al i love weird al i'm gonna buy it
2: yeah i had never seen it i didn't know anything about it uh it was just right there at the counter and the gentleman only had two left wow and uh yeah i just thought it was a cool thing to have <laughs> and you were right <laughs> <laughs>
0: So what are some of your, like, in all the years of collecting, what are some of your all-time favorite things?
2: A couple of really favorite things is, of course, the newsletters from the early fan club. Mm. Oh, yeah. Those are cool. Close personal friends of Al, the
1: newsletters, yep, yep, from the mid to late 80s, yep.
2: Yeah, those those are really cool. I was actually in the third newsletter that came out. Wow. That's so cool. Oh, in what
1: capacity were you in that newsletter?
2: From this time, I moved from California up to Washington, and I was starting in a uh, radio club at the school, and I played a two-hour show every week, and it was called Crazy Cans Polka and Potpourri Time. <laughs> <laughs> so it was mainly Weird Al, Frankie Yankovic, R.E.M., Michael Jackson, ABBA, I mean, it was just a potpourri of songs. Yeah. And I had written Al uh, explaining, you know, I'm doing this show. It's a lot of fun. And somebody from his office called me and said, we'd like to feature you in Al's Pals. Whoa. Oh, wow. And so I talked a little bit about how I, you know, first heard of Al and a little bit about the radio show and how everybody in school was calling me Crazy Kim. (laughs) 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 I love that. <laughs> yeah another item that I really like is is the most recent, and that was at Seattle show that you guys were at at the Paramount is I was gifted a prop Grammy that they use in the background for interviews mm. and I thought, how cool would it be to have Al and the band sign each corner of the base of the Grammy That's so cool. <laughs> wow <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I mean it's yeah. just so epic. It's a Grammy. I mean, (laughs) you haven't won a Grammy,
0: but you have a Grammy and Al and the band signed it. It is just like a literally once in a universe thing to have. That is so cool.
2: Yeah, I I was really grateful that uh, Al and the band were willing to sign the Grammy. And it was kind of funny. Javier and I drove to Wenatchee to see Al's show out there. Yeah. And uh, I told Al, now when I see you in Seattle, I got this Grammy that I'd love for you to sign. Okay, Ken, where did you get a Grammy? <laughs> I was like, well, I really can't tell you. <laughs> so we get to Seattle, and then JW is in the back with us, and he goes, Ken, where did you get that Grammy? And Al immediately goes, don't ask. <laughs>
0: Oh, I love it. (laughs) So we won't ask. We will respect Al, and we will not ask you where you got it. (laughs) That's amazing.
1: That Grammy is probably the center of your Weird Al collection. I think we're going to get into this a little bit later, but can you tell us a little bit of just how big your Weird Al collection is and where you kind of keep it all?
2: Well, I am presently sitting in a pretty large bedroom. It's our guest room, and it is filled with Weird Al Photos, posters, and other stuff everywhere. The closet is filled with boxes and containers. (laughs) I've got another uh, two closets filled with boxes, containers, a lot of tubes (laughs) for the posters. (laughs) Right. And then I've got a really large humidor for all the special things. Insane. You know, you got to make sure that the temperature is correct.
0: (laughs) And of course, there's a retina scan to get in the guest bedroom.
2: Yeah, don't give that away. <laughs> Sounds a lot like my house. <laughs> I don't want to walk down the street one day, get knocked down, and then and all of a sudden realize I'm missing an eye. <laughs> right, 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 right.
1: <laughs> well, that's incredible. Next time we're out in Seattle, we would
2: love to come and see your collection. Oh, you're welcome anytime.
0: Okay, you mentioned earlier that you had the Polka radio show, but you yourself... Play accordion.
2: I did. Yeah, I played for quite a few years. Uh, learned when I was younger, and uh, absolutely loved that instrument. It's so much fun.
1: Did you pick up accordion because of Weird Al, or did you just happen to have play accordion when you first heard Weird Al?
2: Well, actually, no, it was before Weird Al in the apartment complex I lived in. uh, There was an older couple that lived downstairs, and I just loved to visit with them. And they would watch the Lawrence Walk Show every Sunday. And I was just amazed at Myron Florin and how his hands would just dance up and down the keys of the accordion. And one Sunday, she said, we have a surprise to show you. And she comes out with this box, and it's a midsize accordion. And she says, you're welcome to play with it here uh, when you come and visit, but you can't take it with you. And the moment I strapped it on, I was in love.
1: Uh (laughs) Wow. And then a traveling door-to-door salesman came by and sold your
2: parents. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, not in the early 80s. They didn't do that.
0: (laughs) Did this couple, did they know how to play? Were they able to teach you or how did you actually learn?
2: Uh, the lady knew how to play. She started me off on a beginner's booklet, Palmer and Hughes, accordion book, volume number one. <laughs> and then she introduced me to an accordion teacher who then took me on from there. I'm
0: privy to a really cool story. I would love for you to share with us the legendary performer that you performed with.
2: Yes. In Washington. I had heard, this is around 1991, I think, Uh, Frankie Yankovic was coming to perform in Washington, and it was at the local Eagles Club. Mm -hmm. Now, you need to know somebody to be able to be invited in. And this nice lady outside took pity on me (laughs) and uh, signed me in as her guest. And I sat down at this table with another older lady, and Frankie was up on stage Playing all of the wonderful polkas, and he took a break. And as he was taking a break, he walks down towards me and sits down next to me. And I'm like, Whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> well, I happen to be sitting next to his wife. Wow. <laughs>
0: Is she the one who brought you in?
2: No, it was another lady okay, that brought okay. me in. But while Frankie was playing, I was sharing with her that, you know, I play the accordion and, and I just love Frankie's music. So she said, Frank, this young man plays the accordion and you should invite him up on stage. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he goes, well, young man, do you have your accordion with you? Uh, yeah, it's out in my 1965 Rambler. <laughs> <laughs> so I run outside, grab my accordion and I get to go up on stage and play Who Stole the Kishka? Whoa. Wow. <laughs> uh, the Pennsylvania Polka and Two Fat Polka. Wow. <laughs> Oh, it was fantastic. That is
0: so incredible. How old were you at that point?
2: Oh, let's see. I would say about 19, 20. How cool. (laughs) That's
0: so incredible. I have to assume you're the youngest person in that audience. (laughs)
2: Let let me put it this way. The youngest person next to me was probably 63. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But let me tell you, They had a dance floor there for those who wanted to polka. Mm -hmm. And I I loved a polka. The older ladies wore me out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they could just keep on going. And I would sit down. I'd be like, oh, please, please. I'm just too tired. No, come on polka with me.
0: (laughs) Wow, what an awesome story. That's so fun.
2: Oh, it was was a blast and and so grateful to be able to be there. You know, perfect timing, sitting next to, you know, his wife and having that opportunity. A lot of good memories.
0: Yeah, I mean, what are the odds you sit down next to his wife and you're just having this conversation with her? And that leads to you (laughs) performing with (laughs) Frankie Yankovic. How freaking cool.
2: Yeah, and the thing that was really nice is by this time, uh, because I did that radio class in high school, I actually kept going with my radio show with another station every weekend, Crazy Ken's Polka Potpourri, and I got to do an interview with Frankie Yankovic, wow. introducing his very last album before he passed. Wow. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, I won't forget
1: that day. That was awesome. What a fantastic story. Thanks for sharing that with us. Now i got some information that I'm not privy to, and I've been curious about <laughs> since I first heard about it, but I heard this rumor... And I don't know what to ask you about it because I know nothing about it. But there was some interesting poster that you gave to Weird Al.
2: Oh, boy.
0: (laughs) Can we talk about this legally, Ken?
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, luckily, my lawyers and everyone else who had me sign that paper aren't listening. What happened was 1992. Kirk Cobain had just passed and I had called and talked to Jay, Jay Levy and asked, is Al going to do Smells Like Nirvana on his tour in Seattle? And, uh, they had asked, well, would you kind of, you know, check with how people are around, what they think. And so I talked to a couple of uh, radio stations and some fans in this area. And they were like, well, you know, that would be a really cool thing to play that in honor of Kirk Cobain. Because, you know, he, when Al performed here in 92, it, I mean, it's just barely a month when Kirk Cobain passed. So I meet up with Al for that show and kind of talk with him about everybody thinks it would be awesome to do a tribute and go ahead with that song. It seems for some reason, anytime I have a gift for Al, I always forget to give it to him until the last moment. (laughs) So I got to leave because the show's going to start. And I was like, oh, Al, I brought you this poster. I hope you like it. (laughs) What happened was I didn't give Al the whole backstory. A friend of mine was doing a show uh, at the museum here in Tacoma, and he needed another photo for his exhibit. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if you took a photo of me where it looked like I had nothing on except the accordion in front of me? (laughs) (laughs) But let me tell you, I was wearing shorts (laughs) behind the accordion. Of course. (laughs) He goes, "Uh, you know, that's kind of a dumb photo. I don't know. I said, well, let's try it. So he gets out his Hasselblatt, takes a test photo. And, you know, we tried a couple of different poses. But this one pose, it really looked awesome. <laughs> and so he chose that to put in his exhibit and the museum loved it. So they did 50 limited poster prints
0: <laughs> of this
2: accordion photo of a guy that looks like
0: he's not wearing clothes. <laughs> so you're not wearing clothes in the photo. It looks like it. No, no, and...
2: no. I'm wearing shorts. Well,
0: you can't see the shorts.
2: But you can't see the shorts because the accordion's in front of me. So you give. So I quickly hand the poster to Al and go, "Here you go." And we unravel it, and he's like, "Oh." <laughs> now here's the thing: I go out to the concert, and it was a great concert, especially when he goes to play. Smells like Nirvana. The lights go out. Black. And then you hear Al say, This is for Kurt. And then, da da da. Now, wow. you guys remember when you were in Seattle, how loud the crowd was? Oh, yeah. That was the highlight.
1: Yeah. The, that yeah. hearing smells like Nirvana. You could barely hear the song for how loud the crowd well, was.
2: Well, <laughs> imagine that pumped up three to five times. Whoa. <laughs> on the way home, a friend of mine said, Oh, how did Al like the poster? And then it dawned on me. I never told him the backstory. (laughs) (laughs) All these years, I have just been like, oh my gosh. Al, if you're listening, I'm sorry that I didn't tell you the backstory. But I hope you like the poster, because it was pretty cool. (laughs) Now, the funny part here is, during the mandatory fun tour, I met up with uh, John, and the first thing John says to me is, Hal was just talking about that poster that you gave him years ago.
1: (laughs) It's probably hanging over his fireplace as we speak.
0: I don't think so. Next to Ernest Borgnine.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, John, I feel so bad about that. And I I said, one of these days, I need to tell Hal the backstory. And John goes, oh, no, just leave it. (laughs) But the story's out now, so it's there for history to have for all time and eternity.
0: Now, you told me also that you went to some coffee shop and you saw that poster hanging up somewhere.
2: I did. (laughs) Here in my city. I couldn't believe it. I walk in and they've got all these wonderful black and white posters because the poster was in black and white. Mm -hmm. And off in the corner, I was like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) there I am. (laughs) And, of course, I just quickly got my drink and walked out. <laughs> Did you get free coffee out of the deal? <laughs> oh, no, no. I didn't even want to tell everybody that, that was me. We didn't recognize you with clothes on.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Usually when people see that picture, the first thing they say is, nice accordion. <laughs>
0: oh, it's so amazing. Well, being on the phone with the two of you is amazing because I love both of you very much. But also, I am... Talking to Absolute Royalty. Kenneth and Dave, you two are some of the biggest Weird Al collectors in the world outside of Al and Bermuda themselves. So I think it would be really cool for the three of us to talk about how someone who is interested in becoming a Weird Al collector could become a Weird Al collector. What sort of steps should they take? There's a universe of stuff to collect. You know, it's it's very overwhelming. Where do we start? I hope you guys will share some advice on how someone can become a Weird Al collector.
1: Oh, you bet. I think the very first thing you need to do is you need to take a trip to L.A. and go look through all the record stores and see if you can find any more
0: $5 placebo.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you need to be riding the school bus and you need to grab some kid by the collar and be like, give me that tape!
2: <laughs> no, what we need to do is find Bill and Ted's time yes. <laughs> machine. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: what would you do with a time machine? I would go back in time and, and get Weird Al albums. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I would go back to 1979. Totally.
1: I'd go back to last Thursday so I could pay my phone bill on time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: of course. Classic. <laughs> All, right.
0: All right, so, uh, you know, where do we start,
1: guys? What do you think? I think where you got to start is you have to take an inventory of what you have. You need to kind of see, because maybe when you were collecting your 14 albums, you also picked up a CD single here of a promo poster here or something. You just need to lay out everything you have. And I got to stress how important it is to do this at the beginning, to stay <laughs> organized as you're going. Otherwise, you're going to end up like... Eating with
0: multiple copies of things, hey, things. and then you go to put it away and be like oh i already have that hey you've done that too dave don't pick on me
2: <laughs> i'm sure you've done it too kenneth <laughs> yes i have but you know that dave that is really great advice
1: i think we're all guilty of that yeah we're trying to give people some you know advice that we learned from experience
0: yeah don't be like us <laughs> don't do as we do do as we say <laughs> Yeah, get organized, make a, a list. I mean, Dave, I know you have like a, a spreadsheet. Obviously you have your website where it lists all your stuff, but you've you have a document to track it.
1: Yeah, I keep all my stuff in an Access database. I'm familiar with Access, which is why I use Access databases a lot more powerful than something like Excel. But something like Excel or some other database tool works as well. Or even just a Word document, you know, just someplace where you have everything. Mm -hmm. You're the person who's got to know what you have, so you have to organize it the way you want to organize it. I also... Since I have a website, weirdal.info, you can see my entire collection if you go there. I list it online as well. And the reason why I do that is because I don't carry my laptop around with me everywhere. So I wanted a place online where I could go, do I have this? I can go to my website (laughs) and say, yes, I do. or No, I don't. So that's why I I keep it there. It's a little more maintenance for me to update it in two spots. At least that's how I started out. And I like the idea of having it up on the website because... I can reference it at other points. And it's also out there as a resource for people if they want to look and see what kind of things exist. Do you have any kind of system
0: like that, Kenneth?
2: Yeah, I have mine on Google Doc. Mm, okay. I, You know, and it's it really helps because you're able to just, like a pie, just cut it into various sections. It's, these are the LPs. These are the singles. And then from, you know, LPs, these are the ones from the U.S. These are from, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I've done it too where... I've seen something go, oh, I really want that. And I didn't check my right. list. I was like, oh, okay, now I've got five.
1: <laughs> totally. I just want to also put in there that Ethan and I were lucky enough to see how Bermuda keeps his list. And he has yeah. a list similar to it's like a database, like a list of everything that he has. And then he's able to separate it by, you know, like you said, by lp or by country or by some you know what he's looking for and he actually has a printed out copy that he carries around with him when he's on tour so yeah he can actually when he goes to record stores and stuff he can he can uh, know what he has and what he's looking for so there's another option is you can you know if you don't have a website or something or google docs access you can just carry around a printed copy of what you have I think another very important thing for a beginning collector is to determine what your budget is, how much you have available to spend, you know, while you're want to go out and look for this weird owl stuff. You know, kinda you need to sit down and say, How deep do I wanna get into this? You know, what kind of budget am I gonna set aside for this? Whether it's a weekly budget, a monthly budget, a yearly budget, just make sure that you know you don't go out of your budget while you're trying
0: to collect.
2: That's a really that's a good suggestion.
0: Yeah. And I would say to add on to that, definitely keep in mind, you know, what your budget is for individual items as well, because you may see something and it's rare and it's great, but it's on eBay for $900. And it's like, you know, that, that thing might not be worth $900 and you need to be willing to say, I'm not going to just spend $900 to get that in my collection. I'm going to wait until it's down to a more reasonable price. And I know all the time Dave Kenneth, I will be texting you guys like I see this thing, I really want it. It's $300. Does that make any sense? And you guys will be like, "No, that's a $50 item. Don't pay $300 for it." <laughs> <laughs>
2: and it, it's so good. You know, that's a good point, Ethan. Yeah. It's uh doing your research and also reaching out to a fellow collector. To, uh, you know, bounce off ideas is really important because you could go to that seller and say, hey, would you be willing to take this price? They may come back and say no, but you'll be surprised sometimes when somebody will come back and say, sure, why not?
1: Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the hardest part about being a collector is you seeing something and you know you want it, but having, you know, the understanding that I have to pass on it this time, it'll come back up again later and put that aside. That's a hard thing for a collector to do, you know, so you have to be very you know cognizant of that when you're collecting is to say – outside of my budget i'm gonna have to wait
0: for that and good
1: chances that it'll come up again at a later point you just got to be
0: patient i can certainly think back to times where i totally blew it and i paid way too much money for something but i can also think back to times where i paid a lot of money for something that i'm so glad i did because it just ended up being a once in a lifetime thing or it just it ended up being a good price so it definitely takes time to make those determinations, but like you guys said, you know, being able to talk to someone who you can bounce ideas off of, that is so important.
2: Yeah, the worst thing you could do is have regrets. Right. Yeah, either way. Picking up an item and then just saying, oh man, I'm really bummed out that I have this.
1: <laughs> or, go, or wishing you could pick up an item and say, gee, I wish I bought that when I had yeah, the opportunity. Totally. <laughs> True. And Ethan, I'm with you there on uh, overspending. I have a room full of stuff, which I'm sure I've <laughs> overspent for a lot of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you, you look at something like I, I've definitely done this where I look at something I'm like I like this, but I really shouldn't have spent seventy-five dollars on it. Even if it's something stupid, like it wasn't a lot of money, but it's like you know that really was worth more, like fifty dollars.
2: <laughs> because when you're when you're budgeting, twenty-five bucks goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, twenty-five bucks. You're talking about. Five placebos back in nineteen eighty one. Yes. <laughs> so,
0: I i guess the next step really is you gotta come up with some goals. You know, what do you want to collect? Because really, there's a universe of things. You guys know I have Weird Al's plane ticket from the, from the nineties. <laughs> it's like, you know, did I set a goal to have Weird Al's plane ticket? No, <laughs> but. There are things that you can set a goal and you can actually go out and specifically collect. And I think personally, it's a lot easier to collect something when you know there's a finite number. Like, for example, like the Weird Al trading cards that they came out with a few years ago. It's like, there are a certain number of these Weird Al cards and you can have a complete set. And that's, you know, having a checklist of sorts, kind of like trading cards... Is very helpful.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the appeals to collecting Weird Al stuff for me, besides me being a big Weird Al fan, is that there is a finite number of things that you can collect. Believe it or not, that number's grows the more (laughs) i find out that they're out there but there's a reasonably finite number of weird al stuff unlike let's say a band like aerosmith or something or metallica (laughs) right you know you could you could spend you know your entire life just trying to collect you know a portion of their output but something like weird al it has a large but a finite number of items that you can collect And even like if you break it down further, like if you're just collecting vinyl, for example, that's a smaller finite number or CD or cassette
0: or T-shirts, you know. Or just U.S. releases or something like that. There's a way to at least like have an end in sight rather than just like, I want everything that's Weird Al, which I kind of feel like sometimes I just anything that's Weird Al I want. But I feel much better when it's like, I want to get every poster from the strings attached to her. You know, something where there is a finite number is always good to have.
2: In your collecting, you can focus on completing or adding to certain areas of your set of what, what you're trying to collect, whether it be the U.S. releases, right. whether it be VHS or the Laserdisc sets. It just helps you focus on where your target collection should be within Al.
0: And I think, too, it helps for budgeting because it's like, well, I really just want all the laser discs. Well, then you know you could spend a little bit more to make sure you get those. Exactly.
1: Great advice from people who buy everything they find that
0: has Weird Al's name. <laughs> 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 hey, we're trying to help new people to not be like us. <laughs> so there are. You know, certain things that are just very, in general, like collectors want these things. I figured maybe we could go over a couple of these, and then we can break it down a little bit further.
1: Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think what we're asking at this point is, I have all of Weird Al's 14 studio albums. What do I get next?
2: Exactly. All
1: right, what do you get next, Kenneth?
2: Well, for me, I got kind of hooked on Japan. Mm. When The Complete Al came out, I was able to see... The Showtime premiere of The Complete Owl and the moment that they flew by on the screen, the Leaf and the Eat It album. Mm. I freaked out. (laughs) I mean, we're we're talking pre computers here. Right. I did not know that Al existed anywhere outside of the U.S.
0: Right. And if he did, you would assume it's just the same artwork. It's the same. I remember the first time I realized that there was non-U.S. stuff and that there was different artwork and different tracks and different mixes. Like, it's mind-blowing.
2: It is. And as an early collector at that time, you know, I was focused on, okay, what what's here available in my area that involves Weird Al? and. After seeing that on the complete owl, my mind exploded to, how am I going to find (laughs) these things that are elsewhere? And I did. I went to the library, and I found addresses for radio stations in Japan. Well, I sent out a bunch of letters just asking, do you have anything weird, Al? If you do, would you mind sending me something? Wow. And it was, I think, six, six to eight, nine months later. Tokyo radio station sends me the promo version of Dare to Be Stupid. Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Along with two press releases all in Japanese. That is so
0: cool. Like I feel for you because when I started collecting, eBay existed. So I've I've kind of I've had this (laughs) charmed life of a collector almost. Just because of my younger age. It's like I can't even imagine going to a library. And finding Japanese, like, I
2: don't even know how I'd do that. Like, I would
0: use Google, I don't know how else to do it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I went to the library, this older librarian stands up and looks down at me and says, Don't you know the Dewey Decimal (laughs) System? And then were you cut in half? (laughs) No, you know, I could run pretty fast in those days.
0: (laughs)
1: No, I understand, you know, the the hunting before eBay as well because I did start collecting before eBay existed. You know, I was did have internet access, but it wasn't as easy to find things as it was just to go to one website like eBay and type in Weird Al and then see, you know, three hundred right. items scroll by you that you can, you know, pick and choose what you want. You had to go through different websites, you know, record stores that had their stuff listed online and things like that. But just, you know, going to record stores and things like that. So I understand, you know, that that, you know, trying to find something, you know, the hard way.
2: (laughs) Right. Well, and even back then, I discovered not so much Tower Records, but some of the mom and pop record stores, they had access to international copies of various artists. And so they were a big help in helping me, you know, find some international copies of Al in the early days. I cannot even imagine
0: figuring that out. Like I, I have so much respect for you for, for doing that. That is so amazing to me because I just go on eBay or discogs and type it in and wait for it to show up. You know, I can look at Dave's website and figure out what I need. You know, it's like, I, I can't even comprehend it. So bravo to you guys. That is so cool. Some of the, like, I don't want to say generic or cliche, but, but some of the, like, must-haves that I think a lot of people go for and, and, frankly, should go for, I think one of them is obviously the Peter and the Wolf album.
2: Oh, most Definitely. Right, that
1: Peter and the Wolf album, that is the classical children's album that he did with the composer Wendy Carlos.
2: Yes, and that was also up for a Grammy, because Al was up for three Grammys that year. For Peter and the Wolf, also for an even worse album, and for Fat as a video. Wow, that's so cool. Well, 1988 was a good year for yeah. for Grammy nominations,
0: huh? <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. I remember the first Peter the Wolf I got was a vinyl. I think CD was second, and I think cassette was the last one I got of the U.S. formats.
2: That's a good collection to have. For sure. And boy, those have gone up in price since their first release.
0: I remember when I first started collecting, vinyl wasn't a thing anymore anymore. Um, or yet, or again. <laughs> and the CDs <laughs> were the valuable ones. Those were the ones that I wanted. I remember they, you know, a hundred would have been a good price. And now you can get oh. the, the CDs for 30, 50 bucks. And the vinyls are now, you know, they've swapped. The vinyl used to be 30 to 50 and now it's a hundred. So It is interesting how the different formats go up and down.
1: At the height of the eBay bidding wars, there was a copy of Peter and the Wolf on CD that sold for $1,500. Whoa! Whoa. (laughs) And yes, the person did pay for it.
0: (laughs) Remember when I said, sometimes you regret what you buy? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's amazing. That is amazing. And that wasn't you, was it, Dave? (laughs) (laughs)
1: no that wasn't me i already had
0: my copy on cd
1: (laughs) which i got as a birthday gift so i didn't even have to pay one penny
0: (laughs) now another one that seems like everyone should have is the authorized al which is of course the book written as a companion piece to the complete al
3: yeah back in 1985 written by tino insana and al yankovic they worked together on it and
0: that is kind of
3: crew when i started collecting that was one of the holy grails that you needed to get you needed to get the authorized al i remember that at least when i started collecting you know prices were up there so that is one that maybe a beginning collector should strive for but maybe it might be out of their budget but it is now, a really cool book
0: yeah
2: that's a book that i got four for 7.95 each <laughs> <laughs>
3: i'm gonna have to start going shopping with you kevin well no i mean, i, I
2: ordered it um at the local bookstore before it came out and the poor lady that worked there she was so nice to me because i was like bugging her daily <laughs> is my authorized alien yet
3: <laughs> and of course there's that famous episode of pawn stars where rick buys the authorized al for 450 dollars from one <laughs> of the customers that came in and it, believe it or not i go to las vegas very frequently almost every year and i do go to the pawn shop on occasion to check to see if they still have the book <laughs> last time i was there they still had the book and they wanted six hundred dollars oh.
0: my advice to you guys
3: that's a little bit too much
2: to pay for that
3: book. Do not pay $600. Do not pay $450. You can find it for considerably less. Maybe not $7.95 right. like Ken <laughs> found it for, but you can find it cheaper than that if you are looking for it.
0: Now. I would say Authorize Al, eh, anywhere between $100 and 150 you probably can get a, a pretty decent one.
2: Exactly. And you know, just to throw this in there, especially on eBay, when you're looking to buy something, For me, I find it really important to see where that seller stands in regards to the other people that have purchased from him. Is he at 100%? Mm. You know, where is he? Because if somebody is at 95.4% and I look at their back comments and they've had four or five really bad transactions just within that month, even though I really like to have it. I probably won't buy from them.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great point and something that I have had to learn the hard way sometimes. Like (laughs) sometimes I'll I'll see something. I I remember I saw something and I was like, oh, I got to have this. And I didn't even read the item description. And then I got it and I was very disappointed. And, you know, doing your research (laughs) and like reading what you're buying and and looking and making sure that the seller sends stuff nicely, I think is very um, important.
2: Oh, I've been burned a couple of times where I just quickly jumped to purchase it and never received it and my money's gone and, mm. uh, you know, did not receive any compensation back. It was just, I don't know, maybe it's lost in the mail. Oh, that's mm. terrible.
0: Another
3: thing you can do with eBay, you can also look for listings that have pictures and you can look at the condition and things like that of the item you're buying. You know, you might pay, you will pay more for a, a mint condition version of the authorized out than you will for one that has been read multiple times with yeah. increased corners and
0: like that. Another thing with eBay when you're thinking about price and budget is you can look at the sold items and you can see what other people have paid. That's a good way to see a value on something. Make sure you're getting a good price.
2: That is. That's a really good suggestion.
0: There's a
3: couple other things that I think we're just going to mention quickly that people probably are going to want to collect if they're just starting out. You have the 14 studio albums. You probably have them on CD. Maybe you download them digitally. You want to try to get them in all the different formats. CD, cassette, and vinyl where the vinyl exists for the albums right and then you also want to try to get copies of the complete al uhf and you want to try to track down the album he did called babaloo music
0: yes but yeah. most importantly the thing that really any collector beginning or really if they're a pro like the three of us you need to have hands down official dave and ethan's 2000 inch weird al podcast merchandise.
2: Most definitely. And I'm really falling behind on my collection in that area. So I, I need to jump on and make sure I purchase that mug, that shirt, and the pillow. <laughs> the gill and Chillo,
0: Yes. All available yes. at shop.2000inch.com. <laughs> I don't know how we can make it any easier for collectors. We have all those
3: items grouped together in one place. So you just go to one place. You can purchase as much as you want you can purchase a little bit at a time you can purchase you know it all at once if you want but you just go to 2000 <laughs> inchcom you get tank tops you get you know women's shirts we have t-shirts we have multiple designs it's really a great source for a beginning collector it's really a great source for an experienced collector It's just a really great place pick up some weird <laughs> al merchandise for your collection shop.2000inch.com
0: yeah and much like peter and the wolf and authorized al i bet in a couple of years it'll go up in price and people will be paying <laughs> 1500 bucks for it on ebay um, <laughs> so i want to tell you guys a little bit about my journey as a collector so obviously once i got all 14 albums. Now there weren't 14 at that time, but once I got all the available <laughs> albums, you know, I was growing up and I was collecting in the early two thousands when I started and CDs were the big thing. So I wanted to get every CD single possible. And that was my goal. And once I got that, then I was like, all right, now what, but, <laughs> <laughs> and I've just been saying now what <laughs> so many times all the- over the years, but what was really cool about the CD singles is it's another thing, you you know, at the time we had CD players. <laughs> it's another thing you could listen to. Some of them had bonus tracks on it. They had different artworks. They were just really cool to collect. So I just want to mention a couple of my favorites. So Gump. CD single was amazing because it came with so much bonus content. It had Spy Hard, Spy Hard instrumental, it had Spy Hard orchestral mix, it had both the regular and karaoke version of Since You've Been Gone, and it had Colin and Sick as an instrumental. So that was like a lot of bang for your buck, is getting the retail version of Gump.
3: You know, what's really cool about that CD single is it does have all those different versions of songs. That is really the only spot where you can get some of these songs. So if you want those songs officially, you know, you have to track down the Gum CD single.
0: Definitely. And another one to get some really cool stuff officially, uh, I know you'll love this, Kenneth, is the Amish Paradise CD single. It's the, at the time, was the only place to get the instrumental Dare to be Stupid.
2: Yes. And when that came out, I flipped. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dare, Dare to be Stupid song and video was one of my favorites, and to be able to have the instrumental to it, oh man, that was, was just bodacious. Yeah,
0: and it also had the extra gory version of The Night Santa Went Crazy, which I first heard that when Al performed it live on the Running With Scissors tour. And I was like, hey, those lyrics are different. And it it was years later that I found out it was, you know, a real version of the song that you could get and listen to. (laughs) And I personally think it's the definitive version of the song. So it was really (laughs) cool when I first got the Amish Paradise CD single to actually get to listen to that. Some other really fun ones. There is an Australian CD single for Pretty Fly for a Rabbi, which was really cool. UHF and Taco Grande both came out. Uh, They didn't have any artwork, so they were just promo only. And then kind of the holy grail of CD single collecting are these two that were never released. <laughs> and they were never released, but they were produced. And that is Can't Watch This and White Stuff. And the story goes, and you can read it on WeirdAl.com, Al and Bermuda saw that they were tossing these from the record label, and so they saved them. <laughs> and so they, whatever they saved from going in the garbage can, that is all that exists. They were never sent out to radio stations. They are the Holy grail. And I remember the first time I got those, someone had like a lot on eBay and they just had like a bunch of weird stuff. And it was just somehow in there. I don't know how. And I was like, I have to get this. I have to get this. I spent a lot of money getting those, but I'm so glad I did because you don't see them often. And when you do see them, they go for a lot because people know what they are and collectors are looking for them.
2: Well, and they go fast
3: too.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, I want to thank Bermuda for sending the Weird Al Star Fund several to sell to help the Weird Al Star Fund reach its goal.
0: Yeah, that was really cool. I remember another thing early on, you know, because CDs were the thing. I mean, now people are looking for vinyl, but when I was growing up, CDs were the cool thing. So what I really loved was, of course, also on Al's website and Bermuda's Rare Things section, they talked about how Poodle Hat had two different CD arts, depending on where it was printed. So one of them has more of a zoomed out picture and you see Al and there's like the uh the reflective stuff around his hair and the other one is more zoomed in and it's the same image but it's just it was different enough it just completely tickled my collector's core of like i need to have both of these <laughs> and it was really great because it, it was pretty easy to tell the sticker on them had something different on there so you, i was able to go to a store and be like okay this is the one i need this is the one
3: yeah those two different pressings of the poodle hat stevie they're Sinram and Sonopress.
0: I'm so glad you knew that, Dave, because I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> at the time when I bought them, I did, but I, it was all gone to me. Wow! <laughs> uh, and yeah, like you said, Ethan, you could see them obviously by opening
3: them up and looking at them. But if you wanted to keep your copy sealed, you could tell by looking at one. Of, I think it had a C I N or an SON on the little sticker.
0: Now, one that eluded me for so long was Bad Hair Day because the original pressing was in color. And so my album was in color. The one that my dad had bought that became part of my collection. Uh, The black and white one was very easy to find. You just go to a store and that's probably what they had, but there was an error and they pressed the Alapalooza CD art for bad hair day. And I spent so many years trying to find that (laughs) because there was no way to know from the outside, as far as I knew. So I had to go into stores and I would like, tap the CD on the counter and try and look in to try and see if I could see black or red instead of the white. <laughs> <laughs> Years I did that. And then anytime I'd go to a used CD store, I'd open it and I could check. And I eventually found my first one on eBay. Someone had it open and I was so relieved once I finally got that.
3: That bad hair day, the only way you could get the color version was with the Scotty Brothers records, the Warner Electra atlantic distribution and then later on to save some money they started using black and white uh, art on their disc so again that's scotty brothers but then when it went over to volcano they kept the black and white art disc and then again it was the volcano you know where they put that mistake alapalooza artwork on it and you're right, right. there was no way to tell without actually physically opening it up to to see whether or not you had the black and white artwork or the Alapalooza artwork. So they since fixed that issue with the mistake Alapalooza disc art.
0: Yeah. So if you were to buy a newer pressing, it's going to be the black and white, most likely. Now, Ethan, you
3: may have been of the era where you were collecting CD singles. I was of the era where I was trying to collect the vinyl singles. Yes. But one of the very first pieces that I tried to get my collection was there was this picture disc of like a surgeon it was seven inch promo and on one side it had the cover art for like a surgeon on the other side it had the dare to be stupid artwork and it had like a surgeon the actual song on both sides so like a surgeon picture disc is a really cool piece to have in your collection because it displays nicely you can put that up on the wall you can put that you know on your you know in a shadow box or something and you can display that and you can actually you know see some really pretty artwork there and it's actually not as difficult to find as you might think it is
2: on ebay i think there's a couple on there right now
0: definitely a great piece for a a beginning collector or if you're not a beginning collector it's just a cool piece just to have because it displays so well and i do want to point out i see scammers on ebay making up fake picture discs and trying to sell them for like four or five hundred dollars and they're just not real so Don't get fooled. The only one that's Weird Al specific is Like a Surgeon.
3: There's this other really cool single that's out there that I've wanted to find for the longest time. And this is going to be a little bit harder to find than the Like a Surgeon picture disc. But this is a red vinyl version of a 12-inch single of Like a Surgeon with the B-side, Girls Just Want to Have Lunch. However, it is from Mexico. And the actual titles of the song are written in Spanish. Hmm. Como un carajano for Like a Surgeon, and Las Chicas Solas Quieren Almozar, for Girls Just Want to Have Lunch. And I stand by my choice of Las Chicas Solas Quieren Almozar on our Dare to Be Stupid <laughs> Top 5 list episode, and I do believe that song should be on the top 5 list.
2: <laughs> that is a really cool 12-inch single to have.
3: It's really unique because it's made in Mexico, so it's a really cool piece to have. You know, And it's also what's really cool about it is the red vinyl so that's just something that's just really unique looking that's fun to have in your collection
2: and the cover is a kind of zoomed in of dare to be stupid
3: good point yep has anyone actually tried listening to this album seeing if the songs are actually in spanish or english
2: <laughs> it's an it's in english <laughs>
0: okay
3: <laughs> wouldn't put it past you to list have listened to that Kenny. yeah I, I i've
0: played both
2: played both sides
0: oh good <laughs> That is one I'm still looking for at a, a reasonable price. It's it's a bit harder to come across. I have seen them, but I've had to not pull the trigger just because they tend to be on the more expensive side. There are some other
3: cool vinyls out there that I like. There's a German Fat 12-inch 45, which is this really pretty marble vinyl. Yeah, and it's just it's really cool looking. So just for the vinyl itself, I mean, the cover is the the cover of the Fat single, so it's not you know too much display on the cover itself but the marble vinyl is very pretty i've actually I had that one up on my wall for a while just because i love mm. the, the marbleized vinyl
0: it's a really cool black and white marble
3: you know and that's kind of interesting too because it's a 12 inch 45 so it has like the b-side has you make me and eat it on it as well so it's kind of just a unique you know mix of songs on there yeah there are a couple others there's a actually there's a single of Dare to be Stupid, where Dare to be Stupid is the B-side, because the A-side is The Touch by Stan Bush. I think it's the only time that one of Al's songs was the B-side, where the A-side was also not a Weird Al song.
2: Yeah, that's a really cool album to have, both in the 7-inch and 12-inch.
3: There is a vinyl from the Philippines, which is kind of cool, because it's it doesn't have a really fancy cover or anything like that. But it does have a unique song on there. It's got the You Don't Love Me Anymore dance mix. It's the 12-inch single from the Philippines. It's just a really cool piece to have in your collection. I did finally get to hear that song for the first time. Even though I had the vinyl in my collection for a long time, I just had no way to play it. And it's just a fun little (laughs) song. So that's a fun one to try and track down. That's pretty crazy.
2: It's a crazy song, isn't it?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it's really (laughs) unique and it's really... Weird, you know, that out of all the songs that you want to make a dance mix out of, they think you don't love it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funky.
2: Now, that 12-inch single, it is actually not that easy to find, and there are two different covers. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, I didn't know, know that until I actually stumbled upon uh, the other cover and uh, picked it up at a reasonable price, and it was just amazed me that same, same LP, yeah. yeah, same disc, but just two different covers. Interesting. Very cool.
3: There's a couple other versions of vinyl out there that have alternate songs on them, and one of them that comes to mind is there's an extended version of I Lost on Jeopardy on the 12-inch single. Yep. So you do want to try to track that down you know, if you're looking for different versions of songs. You know, try to get them in official capacity. Another one that's actually pretty easy to find is they came out with this... 12 inch promo single for uh, songs that were on straight out of Linwood it's called selections from straight out of Linwood and it has white and nerdy on it and has confessions part three on it but the fun part is it has the entire song for Trap
0: in the drive <laughs>
3: you can have that on vinyl and it had to be a 12 inch I guess just because of the length of the song Yeah,
0: <laughs> that one is really cool it is.
3: Some vinyl singles that I think that a collector should try to acquire. The very first single that Al ever had, his very first record deal, the My Bologna 7-inch single from Capitol Records. And that one is really cool because it, besides being Al's first record, it's actually, you know, his first record from his first record deal, it's actually got a version of School Cafeteria as the B-side.
2: Yeah. That's such a great song.
0: Yeah. It never came out on one of his official albums. So before Squeezebox or one of the Dr. Demento basement tapes, this was how you got it.
2: Now, you know, there's four versions of that My Bologna single.
0: I would love for you to tell us about that because you were telling me about this recently and I had no idea.
2: So you've got the one single burgundy cover and it says mono on the left side uh, of the center sticker. Then you've got the promo, which is white. Now you've got another burgundy, but there's no mono on it. And I haven't been able to figure out, is that something to do with East Coast printing versus west coast printing and then the last fourth is 1981 france sent out a promo of my bologna with the burgundy center wow wow that is so cool
0: i only (laughs) knew about the original two i need to track down the mono list and the french one for my collection
2: now the french one is extremely hard to find Mm. and the only reason why i about the non-mono is uh i was looking through the booklet that comes with the al in the box and there's a photo of my bologna and it just caught my eye that mono wasn't in that photo Hmm. and then i started the hunt (laughs) to find it and i found one that didn't have mono on it and once in a while i'll see one but not as often as the one that does have mono
3: well, that just goes to show that, you know, even if you're just trying to collect something as simple as all of his singles on vinyl, <laughs> just how complicated things can get, you know, all the different variations and things like that. I don't know if we're gonna get into all different variations on um, this particular episode, but that is something, you know, that a collector does want to look out for. You know, just that you can look at pick up something, say, I have this, but if you look at it a lot closer, you may determine, wait a minute, there's something <laughs> different about this one have i found right. a new version that i didn't know about
0: before it happens quite a bit yeah <laughs> it's also something you need to sometimes draw the line in the sand where you need to be like you know what i'm happy that i have one version <laughs> but then you'll eventually get bored and you'll be like all right now i want every kind
3: <laughs> i think that's a great place to start just try to track down one of them yeah <laughs> and there's another seven inch single which also came out very important, you know, uh, in Weird Al's early career, and that is from TK Records. And that is another one, Rides the Bus, the seven inch single. They're pretty common. They're good to have in your collection. There's a couple variations on that too, with just different label designs, but you could easily pick up at least one of them. And that also has the bonus of having the placebo EP version of Got a Booty on the side. Speaking of the placebo EP, yes here's another one that i think that any collector should aspire to try to have in their collection it doesn't come cheap it's hard to find but it is a very important piece in the collection and that is the placebo ep version of another one rise the bus and this was released back in 1981 on the fictitious placebo records label <laughs> Which I think is just something Al made up just for the heck of it. There were only supposedly a thousand of these were made.
2: Yeah, just one thousand. And Al touched every single one of them.
0: (laughs) Wow, yeah, I never thought about that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also interesting to think about if there were a thousand of them made... And Al was also sending them out to radio stations. I remember when I worked at a radio station, we would get stuff in the mail, and if if we didn't use it, we would throw it out. And you know, sometimes you know, as you rotate new stuff in, you throw out the old stuff. You know, there wasn't always. A way to save them and you know maybe some djs wouldn't have the foresight to save something like that so there's a good chance that there are less than a thousand of them out there
2: yeah no i'm sure you're right about that
3: oh yeah i'm sure there's a great there's a great chance that there's less than a 1000 of them still in existence and once they make it into a collection it's hard to get a collector to get rid of one so they become yeah. rarer and rarer <laughs> as more people start collecting them and more people try to track them down it's very hard to get one of these out of someone's collection because of how rare it is. But every once in a while, they do come up on places like eBay. And then, you know, you will expect to pay a hefty you know amount of money for them once they do come up.
2: And apparently the rarest placebo EP is one that Hal has not signed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: that is true.
2: <laughs> Al has made a comment in the
3: past that he feels like he signs so many of these that there are more signed versions out there than unsigned versions. So if you're really like me and you want to be the purist, you want to try to track down unsigned version of the placebo EP. But honestly, just be happy to have
0: one signed or unsigned in your collection at all. And if it has to be signed, at least it's signed by now. (laughs) That's true.
3: Or Frank from the Bank Sanchez would be another great person to sign it.
0: That would be a good person to have signed. previous guest on our podcast
3: the placebo ep has the bonus of also coming with alternate versions of happy birthday got a boogie and mr frump in the iron law but the another one rides the bus that is the version that was heard on the dr Memento show that was never re-recorded. Or at least if it was re-recorded, never made it out. One of the early vinyl albums that I was trying to track down as an early collector, and it took me a long time to track this down because I think this is probably rarer than the Placebo EP. Just there's probably less copies of it out there. But this is at Al's very first release at, back in 1978. He entered this San Luis Obispo song contest, you know, and he had a couple people help him out on his song "Take Me Down." But it went out on this album called Slow Grown, you know, and it was very local because it was San Luis Obispo. That's what the SLO and
1: Slow Grown stands for. So it was very specific just to that region and all the songs had to do with San Luis Obispo, where Al went to college at the time. So it is a, a hard piece to track down, but it is a really cool piece of vinyl to have because it is the very first time that Al had one of his songs on
2: vinyl. That is a mega rare piece. And luckily, that song was put on the rarities of the squeeze box set. Yes.
0: And I believe it made it on one of the Dr. Demento basement tapes. So that was the first time I heard it is when I got that basement tape.
3: Yeah, the song is out there. You can track down the song easier than you can actually track, so track down the vinyl itself.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, with YouTube and the internet nowadays, you can. <laughs> for sure. So I feel like some of these ideas that we've shared are, are really cool things for people to aspire to and, and maybe set as goals as they start their Weird out collection. I would love to know, Kenneth, though, what are some things that we miss? What are some things that you just really love or you really had a good time
2: looking for? One thing I'd like to share that I think is really important and it's helped me several times is whether it be on eBay, Discogs, is if you build a relationship with one of the sellers that's from another country, they can be a big help to you in finding Al items without even having them listed. I know there was a gentleman in Turkey that I had purchased a couple of things from, non-Al related, but I, I <laughs> knew that there was a 1984 compilation called Welcome the Amigo. that had the extended version of I Lost on Jeopardy. Really hard to find. Wow. And about a year later or so, he told me he found a person who has it, but that person will not ship to the u.s oh no so but we worked it out to where i was able to get you know get funds to have that person mail it to this person so then this person (laughs) can mail it to me (laughs) wow (laughs) and you know that happened again with a, a gentleman in norway there's a comedian band in norway that sings you don't love me anymore in norwegian In the Norwegian language, extremely hard to find. But again, uh, this person kept an eye out for me and, you know, zips me an email. Hey, I found Gladie Meg, which is Norwegian for you don't love me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Glad I Meg. And uh, yeah, and I was able to get a copy of that
0: that's incredible very cool
2: it's reaching out to and just taking the time to ask people would you mind hunting this for me or if you happen to be in a record store would you mind looking to see if they have anything that's al related
0: it makes me want to just go on a world tour and just oh yeah (laughs) look at record shops you know it'd be so fun
3: It makes me just want to go over to Ken's house and look through his collection because I'm sure he's got stuff that I don't even know exists (laughs) because you just mentioned two things that I didn't even know existed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And also, you know, from another country, one that's really sometimes easy to get, I've seen there have been two or three out this past year for sale on Discogs, is the Eat It single from Brazil. So unique. uh, The cover is so unique. It's black and then Al's yellow shirt and then Eat It written in yellow. Really cool cover. But from Brazil, there's a compilation called 12 Super Tops that has the Eat It single on it, and on the back cover has that same black and yellow cover of Al on the back wow. side of the cover wow very
0: cool everything you mentioned kenneth i'm just adding to my want list of <laughs> things that i need to find <laughs>
2: well this all goes back to that complete owl if it wasn't for complete owl i would not have this desire <laughs> to try to find every single international copy available that involves owl. all right so this
3: you know norwegian single this 12 super tops album from brazil You know, these are not things that a beginning collector is going to be able to find. Is there anything
2: (laughs) on your list
3: that maybe a beginning collector can have a better chance of finding?
2: Yeah, sorry, I was kind of blowing up there. (laughs) Those (laughs) are cool
3: items. Don't don't get me wrong.
2: Well, let me let me see. One thing that I think every collector should have, and these are you know pretty common and you can find them, and that's the permanent record, pal in the box. Yes.
3: Right, it's, that's kind of the 1994 version of Squeezebox, if you will.
2: <laughs> yeah, it came. actually, it came out September 27th of 1994. Oh. <laughs> Everybody
3: heard that number before.
2: That's really cool to have. You know, it comes in CD and cassette. But what's neat about it is there's two different versions of the All in the Box. One version, they put out the My Bologna that was recorded in the bathroom. And the other version... Oh. It's the My Bologna that was recorded for the first LP.
0: Hmm.
2: Now, you also have Happy Birthday from the Placebo is on there. And Al decided to put the single version of UHF in Al in the Box because it's a little bit shorter. But he thought the fans would like to have both versions, the longer version from the UHF soundtrack. And then the single version,
3: Al was spot on because I, as a fan, love to have both versions of the UHF.
0: I feel like that must be the same sort of inspiration behind the Gump CD single and the Amish Paradise CD single where Al just kind of was cleaning out the archives (laughs) and just giving us some, some really cool alternate mixes. I'm so glad that he thinks about us that way. You know, that's it's so kind. It is.
2: <laughs> and, you know, the last thing that I would mention for myself that every fan should have, and that's the Complete owl. whether it be VHS, Laserdisc, or DVD. We're all three. We're <laughs> <Or> all three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Complete owl,
0: you know, now that it's on DVD, it's a lot more accessible. But before it was on DVD, that was definitely a holy grail to try and find.
2: Yes, it has a special spot in my heart just because it led me to so many areas of collecting just by watching The Complete Out.
3: Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You basically started your collecting career because you watched The Complete Out. Exactly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And my next-door neighbor was nice enough to let me uh, take over her living room for the hour that it was on Showtime.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think one last piece of advice we need to share with people. You know, obviously you start off having your collection, you start to build the collection, but what is the important next step? Well, you got to get your collection insured. This week's episode brought to you in part by
2: Don Ferlazzo All State Agency in Clifton Park, New York. If you drive like crazy or about to buy a condo, Don Ferlazzo and his team can help you with a crazy good auto, home, and renters insurance. Plus, Ferrazzo's agency can help protect something like your Grammy signed by Weird Al.
3: You may think your insurance is good enough for now, but don't wait one more minute. Find the Ferrazzo Allstate on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or call them at 518-278-3543. A free quote today. The Ferrazzo Agency. We sell insurance, and that's all.
0: I want to super extra special thank Kenneth for joining us on today's episode. Kenneth, this has been an absolute blast, and you've shared so much amazing, incredible Weird Al knowledge with us and our listeners.
3: I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface of knowledge that Kenneth has on the subject of collecting. I learned so much today just talking to Kenneth, and I consider myself pretty well-versed in Al Collections.
2: Dave, Ethan, thank you so much. This was a blast. We're, We're the, the Gregory, Gregory Brothers, Brothers, and this, this is, is Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch, 2000-inch Weird Out Al Podcast.
1: It was such a blast talking to such a top-level collector such as Kenneth.
0: I agree, Dave. It was such a great time talking to Kenneth, and it was so fun getting to share our passion with someone like Kenneth. <laughs> someone who can <laughs> speak at or above our level is <laughs> rare and is welcomed on any podcast. That was amazing. I hope we can do more with Kenneth talking about more rare collectibles that we don't even know about oh sure absolutely just talking to Kenneth about anything Weird Al related
1: you learn so much he is the ultimate super fan in this episode we give a lot of resources for a beginning collector and I want to give a plug again to Bermuda's exhaustive Weird Al Yankovic discography over at Jeff Morris's awesome Demented Music database website dmdb.org Bermuda's list that includes every single U.S. promotional and retail audio and video releases that features Al singing, playing, producing, acting, directing, or just otherwise mentioned or pictures him in the work. It is so exhaustive. I've used it to help me track down so many items from my collection, and the list is really comprehensive. It's listed in chronological order. It includes the year it's release, so you have a great starting point there, and it also tells you every single format that the release is available in. This is just the U.S. releases, but it is a great resource for a beginning collection.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure who this Bermuda guy is, but the (laughs) list that I use is weirdal.info. And Dave, I, I think you're familiar with that. I believe it's your collection list. But what is amazing about it is it has Dave's complete collection, as far as people know online. So you can go through it, you can see variations on the different releases, the catalog numbers, the labels, distributors, song information. It is awesome to check out and reference and I use it all the time and it's something that I used when I started collecting as inspiration and to figure out what I needed and also stuff that I could dream for in the future. And what's really (laughs) cool, Dave, is I've always wanted to help out with your wish list where you list things that you know exist but you don't have and surprisingly there are things on that list it's not blank (laughs) but it's great for me to look at that list i remember being a kid looking at that list being like yeah i don't have any of that (laughs) but you know maybe some of our listeners do have it so why don't you go over and check it out if you haven't already and let dave know or let me know and i'll trade you even more than what dave will (laughs) so i can trade it to dave
1: Thanks for the plug there, Ethan. Yes, the <laughs> website again, weirdout.info We've got it all on UHF. It's been my website for years, ever since I first went online back in the mid-90s. I keep my entire collection up there, and I use it as a reference as well. So I'm glad that you and other Weird Al fans are getting you know value out of it. And don't forget, if there's something on my wish list, make sure you contact me immediately. We'll set up a trade. <laughs> I'll tell you how to send it to me. Or you can just donate it flat out to the collection. (laughs) Like I've had people do in the past You know, I will take good care of it, I promise
0: (laughs) And I will also take good care If you want to cut out the (laughs) middleman And just give it to me (laughs) No, I'll give it to Dave, he deserves it You know, each week We can bring you this podcast Absolutely free, thanks to our Amazing sponsors like Don Forlazzo Allstate and Burrito Burrito Plus our amazing Patreon supporters Like Scott, Zeb, and So many more that's right.
1: Patreon helps us pay the bills and ensures that we can continue doing what we love, and that is making fun, family-friendly, entertaining Weird Al podcast for you, our
0: listeners. Please join us in thanking all of our supporters over on patreon.com slash 2000inch for making this podcast possible, and please consider joining our Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. And while you're over there, why not upgrade and check out the secret episodes and get exclusive things from Dave and I?
1: And get to hear that super rare, brand new to us, Weird Al parody of <laughs> Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. Yes!
0: <laughs> Another way to support the podcast is by purchasing merchandise from the official Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast shop. Head over to shop.2000inch.com for amazing items like our Gill and Chill line, our logo line, our tank tops, pillows, beach towels. Oh my. Thank you again to our
1: amazing guest, Kenneth Gwinnip. And he tells me he was wearing clothes the entire interview. (laughs) Thank you to all of our listeners, all of our subscribers, Patreon supporters, and sponsors. And thanks to everyone who follows us at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
0: Be sure to join our Facebook group by heading to group.2000inch.com if you have not already. And maybe, just maybe, we'll be posting that infamous picture of Kenneth and the accordion on that group. <laughs> so you can't miss that. <laughs> be sure to do your part and tag fun, weird Al or podcast-related posts on social media using hashtag 2000inch and hashtag gillandchill. You can find us
1: online at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. Make sure you share our posts, tell your friends about the podcast, and we absolutely love it when you leave us voicemails on our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline,
0: 347-spatula. You can subscribe on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. That way you don't miss a single episode of the world's greatest Weird Al podcast. I cannot stop
1: thinking about that Grammy award that Kenneth has signed by Al and the
0: entire band. It is so cool. You know, I've been thinking about it, Dave. I think the easiest way for us to get a Grammy signed by Weird Al is we should work on getting an actual Grammy and then have Al sign them.
1: That was Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Squared Out Podcast, episode 58.
2: Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System?